Oregon State falls in the desert to Arizona. Oregon thumps Utah in Salt Lake City. Are the Beavers' Pac-12 title hopes really done? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review on this reaction podcast wherever you listen to or watch it, which is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Oregon State and Oregon, one wins, one loses. Those were the teams I talked about on Friday's show. USC wins. Technically, I might feel better about that result if you're a Trojan fan. By the time Monday's show comes around, make sure you tune in for that. But this reaction podcast starts with Oregon State. Who lose to Arizona? Now the question becomes, well, what's next for Oregon State? Right. What's that? They were six and one going into that game. Arizona, four and three team now, five and three team. I'm going to say something here that I hope is plain and obvious. Arizona should be a top 25 football program, period, point blank, end of discussion. I have a vote in the locked on poll here at the network. Arizona will be inside my top 25. Why? Because they're a pretty darn good football team, which, if you're an everyday or going back to the summer, I've been trying to tell you for uh, quite a while, they're a pretty good football team. Well, they play like it on a Saturday night. So for Oregon State, and I'll get to the full game thoughts here in just a moment. The Pac-12 title hopes not technically done. Here's the problem. They have to beat both Washington and Oregon, and the Ducks are on the road. Now, Washington's at home. They could win that game. They, they could win that game. They need a lot of help is the bottom line. Now, last year, to be fair, here's the optimism, Beaver fans. Utah needed a lot of help, and they were given it because they went 7-2 and two in league play. Right now, it looks like Washington and Oregon are on a collision course to meet in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game. We'll talk about the Huskies later in the show as well. I don't fully understand what's going on. I'm going to pick them to cover again this week because at this point, it's a weekly tradition. But I also don't trust USC for obvious reasons. But everything is not lost for Oregon State, but this is a bummer of a game to lose. There's no way, there, there's no way to get around that. This was a bummer of a game to lose. For Oregon State, it was there for the taking. Here's what's on everybody's mind right now. Oregon State loses 27-24 to 24 in the desert. Before the half, there was a, shall we call it curious, questionable, mind-boggling, irrational, foolhearted decision by Jonathan Smith to go with a fake field goal with two seconds on the clock to take a 13 to 10 lead with a 34 yard field goal for a guy who had already made one after the fake field goal was already nullified because of a false start on the previous play. They go with a fake field goal run to try to run the ball in from 20 yards out. This is a 34 yard try, sorry, 24 yards out. Ball's on the 24-yard line is where the holder is from. That's where the kicker first catches the ball. You're going for a 24-yard touchdown run to a kicker 
after they already saw you have a fake field goal on your mind? What are we doing here? I I, I mean, you talk about a head-scratching move. Coaches make questionable decisions. That's up there with one of the most. Last year against Washington on the road, Oregon State lost because they just straight went for it on fourth downs instead of kicking field goals. And I think between Jonathan Smith at Oregon State and Dan Lanning at Oregon, we can make kicking field goals cool again. Because in certain instances over the last couple of years, both of those coaches would have benefited in key games from kicking field goals. And if Jonathan Smith kicks a field goal there, we might be telling a different story about what happened in Tucson on Saturday night. Instead, it's Oregon State's second loss of the year, comes on the road, and they have to go on the road next week to Colorado, who played well against UCLA, by the way. That decision is going to be questioned. I haven't seen Smith's comments on it. I'll react to those on Monday's show once I have a chance to look at him, but trying to give you the quickest reaction pod that I can here. It's pretty late where I am, past midnight, but gosh, I love this sport. It was just a great day of college football across the board. So not all hope is lost for Oregon State, but it's hard to see how if if they're unable to go on the road, and beat Arizona, how they can go on the road and beat an Oregon team that just put on one of the most impressive displays a team has put forth all season in the Pac-12 on an individual game basis, I thought Oregon would win. I thought Oregon would cover. I didn't see him winning by 29 points. I, I did not did not see that. Here's, again, silver lining, I suppose. College football doesn't always make sense. I mean, Washington is proof positive of that. What? Why is Stanford hanging around with Washington? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to talk more about that later in the show. Let's talk about what happened in Salt Lake City. So Oregon goes in there and scores on their opening drive. And then Utah has to punt. And then, you know, Utah gets a turnover. What a play that was by, I, I think it was Tafuna. Forget his first name. Tafuna, the defensive lineman, strips Bucky Irving as he's going to the ground. Yeah, that was a heck of a football play. Utah turns that into a field goal. Oregon goes and scores again. Then there's a stop. Then there's another touchdown. Utah gets a field goal before the half, and then Utah doesn't score in the second half of this game. This was a complete game, as Dan Lanning put it in the postgame press conference, played by Oregon, and that is what they look like at their fullest potential. That is the way they play. 35-6 to on the road. I thought Oregon would win. I thought Oregon would cover. I did not for a moment think they would be able to run it up 35 to six. I mean, that's one touchdown away from the score that Oregon put up against Colorado and Stanford. That was a really impressive performance. And and Oregon and Washington are starting to pull away from the pack right now. Everybody else is fighting to be that third team and Oregon state's in the mix and USC's in the mix and UCLA's in the mix, but there's there there appears to be a gap. Now Washington's not playing great football right now. I think there are reasons for that, which I'll talk about later in the show once we get to the Huskies, but Oregon's got four games left and they control their own destiny to get to not just the Pac-12 championship, but the college football playoff. Same goes for Washington. Same goes for Washington. And the Huskies are undefeated. The college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. I expect the Pac-12 to be well-represented. Arizona better be in that top 25. 
Arizona has not lost a football game by more than a touchdown this year. Did you know that? Did you know? Now you know that. Now you know. They lost by seven to Mississippi State, by seven to Washington, and on a two-point conversion in triple overtime against USC on the road. Arizona's a good football team, and they played like it tonight. And Oregon's a really good football team, and they played like it in a big way earlier today. I mean a big, big way. That was a big-time statement win. Oregon's defense showed up and said, mm, Bryson Barnes, there's a ceiling here. That was my suspicion. That came to fruition. But the way that Oregon offense operated against a really good Utah defense, Bonix was not sacked. Oregon ran the ball, not the way they have been, because Utah's defense is good, but more than what Utah's been allowing this year at Rice-Eccles. And those fans watched their team lose for the first time since 2018 at home. That was really, really impressive. So opposite outcomes there for the Oregon schools. Heck of a performance by Arizona. Heck of a performance by uh, Oregon. The other game that had my attention for a long time, USC and Cal. USC wins, you know, technically. I mean, they do. Like, they they, they get the win. There, there are worse spots to be in. I think my mood surrounding USC or the, my assessment of the, uh, the fan base mood on Monday is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to let that marinate, though, and get to that on uh, tomorrow's show. But, oh, boy, what a game that was in Berkeley. And what a product Athletic Brewing Company has come up with. A wild concept in which they, uh, wait for it, make a non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes good. I know, crazy. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. Beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft. Non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. They're fit for all times. So if you're watching a big game, watching your kid's game, tackling work, working out on the golf course, you can take Athletic Brews anywhere. No hangovers ever. That is kind of the best part. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers, use code Locked On. that's the name of this network, to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off. At athleticbrewing.com, near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Bunch of great games to go to in the Pac-12 so far this season and upcoming this year. And you can go to them all with game time, which is the best way to get last-minute tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets what a concept it's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account use code locked on college for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-c-o-l-l-e-g-e that's locked on college for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Okay, so great Big 12 contest in uh, Berkeley earlier today. (laughs) Or as I'm recording the show and you're listening to it yesterday, whatever. So a classic showdown of schools or teams that belong in the Big 12, but are going to the Big 10 and ACC. Go figure. So USC wins. They put up half a century and they allow almost half a century. Now, to USC's credit, that abysmal defense 
that Alex Grinch is coaching. I don't know how any USC fan could possibly, I don't know how anybody can defend what Alex Grinch is doing defensively there. I don't know where the results are. I, 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 I don't know. Like, honestly, Lincoln Riley is paid a lot of money to be USC's head coach. I, I am unclear as to how in good faith he can go out and tell boosters and media and fans and alumni, I have confidence that Alex Grinch is the right defensive coordinator for this program. I, I don't know how you do that. Curious to see what happens there. You let a 49 piece to Cal? Look, I like Cal as much as anybody, maybe even more than some people. I have been on the Cal quote-unquote hype train for many, many months saying, "Mm, they're not a terrible team. They're not a great one, but they're not a terrible one. And they showed that on Saturday afternoon. They're capable of playing with good teams. USC is still a good team, by the way. They're just not a great one. Far from it. But are they a good team? Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're they're, they're good. They're not great. They, they, They are not great, and they're closer to average than they are to great. So, Cal goes up and puts up like 160 rushing yards in the first half. I think Jade Knott had 140 on like nine carries. USC, to their credit, made adjustments defensively. Their linebacker started popping people. They forced turnovers. Caleb Williams had a good game for the most part, had some bad stretches, but also made some big-time plays and big-time throws, and his stats were good, and USC scored 50, and The special teams came up clutch for the Trojans. That muff punt by Jeremiah Hunter probably lost Cal the game. The Trojans trailed by 14 points in the fourth quarter and came back to win. Look, here's the good news if you're USC. Control your own destiny to get to the Pac-12 championship game. That is a fact. Does anybody think they're beating Washington at home next week? I don't. A lot of other people don't. Technically, it could happen. My picks don't go the way I want them to, or else I'd be right 100% of the time. I did happen to get over 500 with the Pac-12 Prime picks this week. However, however, USC, 49 points to Cal. I, I, I don't know what else you need to see that a change needs to be made. I really don't. But USC won. They found a way. They almost lost their third consecutive game. You talk about the most no-sweat Pac-12 prime pick of the week. That was Cal plus 10.5 at home. Cal should have won the football game. Period, point blank, end of discussion. Not, oh, no, USC, I put, no, Cal Cal kind of gave them the game. They they went full Cal, and, and it's a frustrating time for Bears fans because it was a great crowd, by the way. I know Cal's had some pretty bad ones this year. USC fans showed up. Cal fans showed up. It was an awesome crowd. It was a great environment. It was a thrilling football game. You had momentum shifts and turnovers and big plays, and Fernando Mendoza looks cool, and it came down to a two-point conversion. And again, USC's defense, to their, I guess, credit that they're owed, came up with a stop. Got away with a hold, but came up with a stop. They came up with a stop on the two-point play. Which, what, which is what a lot of people, myself included, have you know clamored for underdogs to do this year, whether that was Arizona at USC or Colorado State at Colorado. It's like, you got a chance to win the ball game, go for two. I actually was texting a friend who's, uh, who's, who's a Cal fan. I said, mm, I don't know, at home with the crowd, I'd kick this one, and it didn't work out. But I also understand going for two there. I, I, I totally get it. Trust your guys. They made plays. They led a big-time drive, and it didn't work out. It didn't go their way. And – so, you know, Cal drops another heartbreaker at home. You know, there's the USC game, the Auburn game. 
they might have some low turnout for their remaining home games this year because they don't have any more big-time opponents on uh, the schedule, really. They play Oregon on the road next week. They play Stanford on the road this year. Uh, I, I think fans are probably pretty dejected going to see those games. It happens. I, I see it happen in college towns all over the country. You know, fans that don't always show up in a big way when they see games like that over and over, eh, they can get frustrated with it. And I'm not saying they should because they shouldn't. You should support your team uh, because they need your support and they feed off it. And that was an awesome football game. But why was it close? Because USC can't play defense. They gave up 28 points and a half to Cal. Like, just just say just say that out loud. And, and see how it sounds. I'll tell you how it sounds. Utterly ridiculous and indefensible. USC's defense is indefensible. Period, point blank, end of discussion. Washington might put up 70 next week. They also might put up 12 because the, the Huskies are just in a weird funk right now. I think there's an explanation. But uh, USC wins, so they're a one-loss team. Oregon's a one-loss team. Those two teams will play at Autzen Stadium later this season. Have to feel good about Oregon's chances to score a lot of points there. If if Utah at home can only hold Oregon to 35, can USC keep Oregon under 45? I don't know. Doesn't really seem like it right now, but maybe things can change. I have my doubts. The other linebackers played very well in, uh, in in this football game. Still gave up a bunch of yards, gave up a bunch of points, 50 to 49. What a score. What a score, 50 to 49. Speaking of coulda, woulda, shoulda, did, um, did, did, did anybody else see what happened at the farm? Not a lot of people were literally at the farm. I texted a couple friends during the game. And one of them, uh, when we were noting, one of them's a Stanford grad and a big fan. And he said, uh, or the other one said, it's harder to play in front of 500 people than it is 100,000. That's the Stanford effect. When Stanford is bad, which they are right now, though getting better and Troy Taylor's doing a good job, their fans don't show up. This has been well documented at Cal and Stanford. There, there is not a rabid energy amongst the fan base if it is not either a big-time opponent or you're winning football games. And frankly, for Stanford, you have to be winning. I mean, Cal is not winning at a high level, but USC was there. and Memorial Stadium was rocking. It was a really good environment. I didn't see the attendance number. I imagine it was very, very high. Uh, speaking of places that don't normally have great crowds, UCLA, the Rose Bowl was rocking. I think there were some Colorado fans. There's the Colorado factor in there. Um, tough backdoor cover for the Pac-12 prime picks to lose that one. Colorado scored a meaningless touchdown with like three minutes to go. But, uh, hey, you know, Vegas, that's that's how they roll. But Washington, I, I don't think they fell victim to the curse of the farm entirely. I, I think they, they – partially. I think they partially did, and I think partially Stanford's offense did better than I expected. I mean, Washington still ended the game with, I forgot the final score here um, real quick, but uh, hold on, let me look, let me look. Washington ended the game, I didn't have it memorized for some reason, um, with 42 points. I thought they would score 49. I didn't see Stanford scoring 33. 
So I think that tells us something about the Huskies. They're not exactly the same team. Whereas USC, for instance, I didn't learn anything new about USC. I thought going into the game, yeah, I think Cal covers 10 and a half. Why? They, USC can't stop the run. Guess what? For a half of football, they couldn't stop the run. I think we're learning something about Washington that is interesting as it pertains to their matchup next week. Lots of players in that game. USC Washington featured on prize picks. Why? Because it's the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll. In. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. It is superb. So go to Locked On. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me uh, put the sponsor in there first. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash Locked On College. There we go. It's almost one in the morning. Um, my brain is mush. Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That is PrizePicks.com slash Locked On College. Use code Locked On College for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. All right. So I didn't learn anything new about USC. They're the team that we've seen all year. Caleb Williams makes big plays. Does a lot of crazy stuff. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's over the top. But USC scores a lot of points. They're relying on turnovers. When they get them, they win. When they don't, they usually lose. And they can't stop the run very well. Same team. Here's the thing with Washington. Look at what they're doing the last two weeks. Look at what they're doing compared to what they did early in the season. Different team. Different team. I, I have spoken highly about the Washington defense a number of times on this show and they showed last week against Arizona state. They're capable of playing decently. Well, they played horribly in this game against Stanford Huskies had 42 points. Why was this a game Stanford? If they hadn't dropped a fourth and two kind of trick play, Stanford was going to have a chance to go down and kick a field goal to win the football game outright. So for the second straight week, I fell for the trap of putting Washington in the Pac-12 prime picks as a 26 to 27 point favorite. And for the second straight week, they let me down. And the reason is I keep expecting to see the team that showed up early in the year against Boise state and Tulsa and Michigan state and Cal. And that, that team hasn't shown up the last couple of weeks, but in different ways last week, the defense showed up offense didn't show up this week. The offense showed up, would have scored even more points if not for two Roma Dunze fueled turnovers inside the 15 yard line. But the defense didn't show up. I mean, Alec A.O. Manor, th- that guy's good. Ashton Daniels can make throws. Shouldn't be giving up 33 points to Stanford. That 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 should not happen. So I almost think the vibe right now for Washington is a little bit lower than USC in terms of the trend, right? USC's starting at a lower spot. But they're the same. I know everything about them. Washington's defense, that was not a strong showing. That is not a great Stanford offense. They've got some decent playmakers, and they have found a rhythm. And Troy Taylor appears to be a really good football coach. I mean, he is just, he is giving teams fits with a far less talented roster. And I, for one, 
salute him. And I think that that's a good hire by the Cardinal. He'll need time. Looks like if he's given that and they make a commitment, maybe give him a little bit more portal freedom, Stanford could move in the right direction once again. But here's the thing. Washington, after the big win against Oregon, has had two wins, which is what great teams do, by the way. They win when they don't play well. Washington didn't play well today. Or now it's yesterday. Washington didn't play well last week. Won both of those games. Got to do that sometimes. Also have to remind yourself and others, yeah, we're still a really good football team. So curious to see what they do on the road at USC next week. That could the over-under might be pushing 80 in that game. <laughs> you can see a lot of points. A lot of points in Los Angeles next week. But Washington last week, and I should have seen it coming. I didn't. It was a classic emotional letdown against Arizona State. Happens in college football all the time. They had a letdown game after a big emotional win against the Ducks. Then they suffer the curse of the farm, which is eh, kind of sluggish. But I think that's 60% of what happened, and it's 40%. Yeah, the defense is not playing at a very high level. It did last week against Arizona State. Stanford has a more competent offense, although ASU's offense looked good against uh, Washington State. I'll talk more about that game on, on Monday's show. But just kind of a weird thing. And it's, it's hard to explain because I watched Washington beat so many teams so badly, so convincingly. And all of a sudden, it's it's like they peaked against Oregon and they've just been on the downward slide since. And it's happened on both sides of the ball. And that ship has to be righted. Oregon State is still a good team that they have to play in Corvallis. USC is not going to show up and just fold, although it looks that way defensively. But we know they can win shootouts. Might be that next week. And Washington State is trending in the wrong direction. I didn't think Washington would lose that game anyway. But that that is, to say the least, something that's kind of hard to explain. That's the best explanation I got. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. That'll be on Monday. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.